If you have your Bible, turn with me to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, we'll be there together in just a moment. You know, a lot of my life I have kind of preferred working uh, by myself, kind of doing things on my own. If I was ever asked in school growing up, hey, do you guys want to do this project as a group or do you want to do this on your own? I'd pretty much always just choose to do it by myself. Um, chalk it up to being an introvert or um, just to wanting to get the work done quick so I could move on to more fun things or uh, just to pride that I thought I could do it better on my own. Uh, but last week, Holly and I took our girls on a, a rafting trip in New Mexico. And if you know anything about uh, rafting in white water, you know that you gotta work together as a team. It's a group project and everyone has a part to play. And so here we are strolling down the river, the Rio Grande or Rio Grande. And uh, our guide, uh, Austin, he told us about as much as you can possibly tell someone in a two-minute presentation. And uh, he told us one of, the, one of the most important things was to always have our hand over the T-grip here at the end of the paddle. And everybody's doing that in the picture, so good job. Uh, because if you, don't, if you don't do that, then you might whack the person next to you in the mouth and they're gonna end up with summer teeth. We're summer in the boat and summer in the water. <laughs> and uh, so, so important to do. Now, as, you're, as we're on this trip, you know, he told us that there would be times that uh, we would all paddle together. There'd be times that maybe the people just on the left side of the boat would paddle. Uh, there was even one time that we paddled left on the left side and Holly and Addison uh, paddled, how does that work? I guess this way, uh, paddled uh, the other way uh, in reverse. And uh, if you know me, I asked our guide about 100 questions on the way down the river. So I asked him, if, if we were just to do nothing, like if we just sat here and you had to do it all, would you be able to get us down this, rip, this river, especially when we got into the rapids? And he said, well, I might be able to do that, but it would not be pretty, would not be very effective, and one of you for sure is going to fall out. So the whole point of, of rafting in a large raft in white water is to, to work together for everyone to contribute, for everybody to play their part so we can all get to the destination together with all of our teeth. So what about the church? What do the scriptures tell us about how God designed the church to function? If you will, let's stand together and let's look at Romans chapter 12 beginning in verse three. We stand in honor of God's word. This is the word of the Lord. Verse three, for by the grace given to me, Paul is writing, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, and the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. May God bless the reading of his word. You can please be seated. So this is Paul's gospel. 
or good news. It's the gospel of, of Jesus Christ. There is no other book, the book uh, of Romans. There is no other gospel besides the gospel of Jesus. And Paul has been laying for us a foundation of faith alone, by grace alone, in Christ alone. That's the gospel. Faith alone, by grace alone, in Christ alone. And there's been a few times in chapters 1 through 11 that Paul has given us some instruction, kind of Christian ethics, how to live. But for the most part, he's been teaching us the what and the why of all that Jesus accomplished for us. Because it's not until we really, really know, like really believe in our hearts that God loves us, like that he really, really loves us. It's not until then that we begin to live lives uh, to please him for his glory not to earn his grace, but because we already have it. And so here in chapter 12, Paul is starting to get in to some of the, the, the basics of Christian living. And we're gonna walk through these five verses here in Romans 12 and ask the question, Paul, what are you saying? What does this have to do with me? Why is this important? And so verse three, for by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, the me in this verse is Paul. He is writing. He is an apostle of Jesus. And what he's saying is it was only by God's grace that I have been put in this position, this position of authority. Now the audience, what does it say? The second sentence, I say to, every, let's, okay, is anybody awake here? I say to Everyone. Okay, this is so important. Paul is writing to everyone. This is not just to the leaders of the church. It's, it's not just to the deacons. It's not just to the pastors or the worship leaders. It's to everyone. If you are a believer here today, then this passage is to you. And this is his instruction. Not to think of himself or herself more highly than he ought to think but to think with sober judgment. Now thinking too highly of ourselves can really take two forms. Uh, you have first the kind of self-elevating arrogant guy or girl, I guess. Uh, we wanna sing uh, to these people. We wanna join in with Carly Simon and sing, you're so vain, you probably think this song is about you. These are people who, uh, they're always talking about how great they are, how strong they are, how smart they are. They are legends in their own mind. And if we're honest, we all have a tendency towards that. We all, all of us, have tremendous struggles with pride. C.S. Lewis, he said, pride is a spiritual cancer. It eats up the very possibility of love or contentment or even common sense. Now the other way that people think too highly of themselves takes a more subtle form. It's, it's those who wanna be told all the time, you know, you're so great, you're, you're so awesome, Justin. You, uh, everybody loves you. We want our ego constantly stroked. And I really struggled with that as a kid. I still do at times, needed to be told, oh man, you're so great. But what is the root of that? It's pride because I want to be told that I am great. And so Paul's instruction here for all of us, for all of us in the church, is not to think too highly of yourselves, but to think with sober judgment. That means to be level-headed or sensible. What Paul is really saying is don't think too high about yourself, but also don't think too low. Think soberly. He says according to the measure of faith that God has assigned 
You see, believers, all of us, we have been given saving faith in Christ, and that is how we are to measure ourselves. And think about it, we can't think too highly of ourselves because we are all sinners. Every single one of us. We can't say, well, I don't sin as much as that guy. We're all sinners, every single one. So we can't think too high of ourselves. But we also shouldn't think too low of ourselves because in the church, believers, we're all saved sinners. So Paul is telling us here to think soberly. So how are you thinking about yourself? How are you measuring your self-worth? By what others say about you? By what you think? by your paycheck, or by what God has to say about you. And this is most important in the church because the church is not a solo effort. By definition, it's an assembly of God's people. You don't get to go rafting in your own boat by yourself down the river. And so we have to know how to relate to one another because we're a family, just like in, in our families, in our homes, we have to know how to relate to one another with humility. And so Paul tells us in verse four, for as in one body, we have many members, the members do not all have the same function, so we, he's talking about the church, though many are one body in Christ, and individually members, one of another. The church is unlike any other organization that's ever been designed, because in the church there's many people, but all are part of the same body, and all belong to each other. The church is to be a unified diversity. The church is to be a unified diversity. You see, we're all different. We're not clones, that would be rather boring and quite frustrating. And so God made us all different, but we all get our spiritual life from the same source. Jesus said in John 15, I am the vine. There's one vine, everybody else, all of us, we're branches. I am the vine, you are the branch. In verse five here in Romans 12, Paul says that we are members one of another. Uh, to say it another way, this is important, hear this. The church needs you, and you need the church. The church needs you, not the building, not this room that we're gathered in, the church being the body of Christ, the people of God. The church needs you, and you need the church. And you know, if, if your life seems stuck, even though you read your Bible and, and pray at times, it may be that you're neglecting getting together with other believers because the church needs you, you need the church. Charles Spurgeon, he, he once said, the great Baptist pastor, he said, God's people are not dogs, so that they should go about one by one, but they are sheep, and therefore they should be in flocks. And if we can get to the point where, where we all know, I don't exist for myself, I exist to serve and to love others, then we're free to develop and use the gifts that God has given us. And so Paul's gonna give us uh, some gifts here in, in this chapter in just a moment. First he says, having gifts that differ, verse six, according to the grace given to us, let us use them. Did you know that if you have believed in Jesus, if you're a follower of Christ, you have a specific, maybe more than one, spiritual gift that God has given you by his grace and you are commanded to use it in the church for the good of others. A spiritual gift is not a talent, 
It's not a special ability. Think about this. Under, under God's common grace, everyone who is alive has talents and abilities, whether they're believers or not. God's good, and he allows the sun to shine on everyone. So there are many athletes, many actors, uh, many musicians, many business people who are very talented who may not believe in Jesus, but only believers have spiritual gifts from God in Ephesians 4 actually tells us that Jesus himself gives us those gifts. And so here's a kind of theological definition. A spiritual gift is a graciously given, supernaturally designed ability granted to every believer. A spiritual gift is a graciously given, God gives it by his grace, supernaturally designed ability granted to every single believer. Now Paul talks a lot more about uh, spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians 12 and 14, also in Ephesians 4. He gets into some of the more um, controversial ones. We'll save that for Pastor Sam another day. Uh, If you do wanna study more about spiritual gifts, I highly recommend this book by a pastor named Sam Storms, Understanding Spiritual Gifts. He actually got his PhD from UTD right down the road and he pastors a church in Oklahoma City. And the really unique thing about uh, Sam Storms is that he's very reformed in his theology, very into the sovereignty of God and believing in the centrality of the gospel that Jesus is our one and only hope, but he's Pentecostal and he pastors a a Pentecostal church in Oklahoma City, so very much believes uh, in the outpouring of all of the gifts. Now, um, let me just say that there is some uh, debate amongst Uh, the global church around spiritual gifts. Some of you grew up in churches where spiritual gifts were talked about all of the time, and so you know what your spiritual gift is, and and you use that in the church. Uh, Others of you, they never talked about spiritual gifts growing up, and maybe you were even taught that that a lot of the gifts don't exist uh, anymore. Now, we're a very diverse church here at First McKinney. I've met people from, uh, that, with Catholic backgrounds. I've met people that grew up Presbyterian or, or Methodist or uh, Pentecostal. And I would ask you all to raise your hand and kind of identify yourself. But uh, the Pentecostals are all really tired because their hands have been in the air uh, ever since the, the service began. And um, I think Holly's got a little bit of Pentecostal in her. She... Uh, She actually went to a Pentecostal church a little bit in college, I think, and she loves to get after it and worship. And uh, there's things we can learn uh, from more charismatic churches. There's things they can learn from us as well. But the most important thing, before we understand, you know, what gifts there are and, 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 and how they're exercised in the church is why they exist in the first place. Always with our scriptures, we have to ask why. What is this saying? Why is it there? And Because if we don't know why it's given, then it all ends up just being chaos and it ends up about making much of our own abilities. And so this is really neat to study the Greek here Uh, on the word gifts. It's the word charismata. When you see the word gifts here in Romans and elsewhere in scripture, it's where we get the word uh, charismatic. Being charismatic means being indwelt by and gifted through the Holy Spirit for ministry to one another. But the root word for charismata is charis. Anybody know what charis means in Greek? You may know someone named charis. Anybody know? 
grace. It means grace. And so what Paul is saying here is that believers possess different charismata or gifts, but each one is the product of God's grace. And so we have spiritual gifts completely through the grace of God. Whatever gift God gave you, you didn't earn it. You didn't say, hey, I want that one. You didn't get to choose it. It was all given to you by God's grace. And these gifts exist for the building up of others. And what does Paul say here at the end of of verse five? He says, whatever gift you have, use them, use them. And then he starts to tell us what some of those gifts are. The first one he says is prophecy. If prophecy, Paul says, in proportion to our faith. Now prophecy literally means speaking forth the truth of God. It means to pass along direct words of revelation from God. It can often take on a a predictive nature, talking about things that are yet to come. And some people just have this gift to be able to speak prophetically into the lives of others about what God is going to maybe do in their life. I remember several years ago, Holly and I were were at a kind of restless place in our ministry. Uh, we were serving in a place where we just knew we weren't right in the, uh, using our gifts and the way God designed us um, to use them, and we were just feeling restless. Well, we got asked to sing at an event for a bunch of people in the oil and gas industry at Christmas time, and a lady came up to us after the event, after we sang. We'd never met this lady before. She didn't know who we were. She'd never seen us. Uh, she was clearly a believer, and she began to speak uh, truth into our lives, and she began to tell us, God is getting ready to do something big in your life, something, something that you didn't see coming, and keep, uh, keep seeking the Lord. Keep following Jesus. And Holly and I, we just had tears in our eyes because we hadn't really told anybody that we were struggling and that we were just feeling restless about where the Lord had us. And just a few months later, God moved us out of that place that we were serving in into another place where we could flourish and use our gifts the way God intended us to. So God used that lady who had the gift of a prophetic word to be able to speak life and truth into a couple who was struggling and to say, just hold on, keep seeking Jesus. And some of you, I'm sure, have that gift in our church, and we need more of that in our church, people who will speak God's truth into our lives. If that is your gift, will you use it and let Jesus be seen in you? Then Paul says, if service in our serving. The the word service is from the Greek word where we get our word deacon, diokonia, and it means practical service or or ministry. Those those that have the gift of of service, they just see a need or, or a weakness or a person in crisis or a task that just calls for immediate action and they just instantly uh, seek to bring resolution to that problem. Do you know people like this that they just are always looking for needs and then they just serve just immediately. They don't need to be served, they just love to serve sounds a lot like Jesus right same word uh, that Jesus uses uh, that's used yeah that Jesus uses in Mark 10 that the son of man came not to be served but to serve someone who comes to mind in our church is a man by the name of Luis Bautista many of you know Luis he's been on our facilities team here at First McKinney for 28 years he's been one of our custodians very involved in our church and part of our Hispanic ministry well uh, Luis just prides himself in serving Uh, he and a lot of the other uh, facilities team were up here yesterday and Friday just getting the building ready uh, for worship today Uh, Luis was telling Holly and I recently that several years ago there was a 
a service that we were having and a lady left uh, the service and she was just overcome with emotion. The Lord had been speaking to her and she went into one of the restrooms and then she came out of that restroom and she went and talked to one of the pastors and she gave her life to Jesus. She said, I wanna believe in Jesus. And as she was talking to the pastor in the middle of that, she said, and by the way, you guys have the cleanest bathrooms that I've ever seen. And somebody later went and told Luis that, and, and Luis just has tears in his eyes as he's telling Holly and I this, because uh, he wants to make sure that there's never a distraction for somebody coming to Jesus, so he's gonna give his best and, and bring himself low to serve us and to serve our church. Some people just have the gift of serving others so well, and if that is your gift, will you use it and let Jesus be seen in you. And then Paul says, uh, the one who teaches in his teaching. This is the, the spiritual gift of making God's truth clear and understanding. Just certain people are able to take God's word and just explain it really well in a, in a compelling way. So if you've been, say you've been trying to teach and teach God's word, and every time you teach, everybody in the room falls asleep, and uh, they come up to you afterwards, and they're like, man, we love you, you're awesome, but you're, you're a boring teacher. Then, then teaching's probably not for you. You probably need to find find your, your, your real spiritual gift. But we have so many incredible teachers in our church. So many of you are in life groups where there's a teacher just devoted to teaching God's word. And I've talked to some of you this week and you're just so grateful for those people. Somebody that comes to mind in our church is a man by the name of Jerry Price. And Jerry Price has been teaching our kindergartners for 30 years over in our children's building. Now you might say, oh, teaching Kindergartners, that's different. Have you ever been in a room with a bunch of four and five-year-olds? That's not my gift, that's not my gift. And so Jerry just faithfully just pouring God's truth, uh, teaching God's truth at such a young age, just teaching these kids about the hope that they can have in Jesus. And we need more people in our church who have the gift of teaching to, to teach our children and our students and our young adults and our single adults and our married adults and our senior adults. We need them to teach God's word and how to apply it to their lives. And if that is your gift, will you use it and let Jesus be seen in you? And Paul says, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, uh, the word is parkaleo, which means to come alongside. Uh, people with this gift are generally just great encouragers. Your Bible might even have the word encourage there instead of exhort. People with this gift, they encourage us. They warn us, they advise us, they counsel us to keep going for Jesus. Anybody in here know Hunter Heinrich? Hunter usually stands back there as one of our greeters, our usher captains. Hunter has the gift of encouragement, exhortation, and he, if you didn't know that, Hunter, if you're here, I'm telling you now, a little prophetic moment, that's your gift. And um, we talked with some of our, our worship team this week, I was mentioning some people, and I mentioned Hunter's name, and everybody was like, yep, he has the gift of exhortation, of encouraging others, of just speaking life and truth and encouragement because sometimes life is hard and we need people to encourage us and to exhort us to keep following Jesus. If that is your gift, will you use it and let Jesus be seen in you? And then Paul says, the one who contributes in generosity 
Those who have this gift give financially with simple, open-hearted generosity, no ulterior motives, not wanting anything in return. They, they use the gift of, of giving uh, very generously and it's very spiritually fruitful in their lives. And Paul is saying if that's your gift, then use it. Be a blessing to others about 15 years ago, Holly and I moved to uh, Virginia, and uh, this was really the first church, uh, the first larger church that I was uh, the worship pastor of. Um, we had Cayman at the time, he was four, and Maddie was on the way, so Holly was pregnant, and we had decided that uh, through the Lord's leading that we wanted Holly to stay home and kind of raise our kids. And so we knew moving to a new place, and now just having one income, and uh, we were moving to Hampton Roads area, Virginia Beach area, a little more expensive to live there, especially at that time. Uh, we we knew that things were gonna be maybe a little tighter in our budget, and so there was some angst about that, but we knew God was leading us. Well, our very first Sunday, that uh, after church, the pastor of the church asked us to go to lunch uh, with him, and uh, we're, we're driving in the car, Holly and I are in the back seat, and he turns around and says to us, well, this is a very unique situation, this doesn't usually happen, but we had a church member come up, uh, Justin, and say uh, he, he and his wife, they wanna pay your um, rent for the whole first year that you're here. And uh, so Holly and I, we just looked at each other and just tears in our eyes, just wow, we, we were faithful to follow the Lord to a new place and, and we've been wondering how are we gonna make this work and, and here our very first week, somebody's gonna take care of our rent. So for the next uh, year, every month, anonymously, they, they did it in a way that I would, wouldn't know who it was, I got a $2,000 check in the mail and then another year after that, it continued and then another year after that, it continued and um, never knew who that person was, like I found out because I just had to know and um, uh, but um, that person never told me, and just by God's providence, this, this couple, even though he's never, I've never asked him about it, uh, but he became one of my best friends, and uh, such a cool story that a month ago, came in, our son left and moved to Virginia to start working for this man's business, and so this man continues to just be generous and to pour into others, and I, we're just one couple that he's done that for, so many others, and we have so many other people like that in our church who are just all always giving and just giving and giving to help people to we there's a there's a couple in our church who who just invested in our girls invested in our kids and they help them with their their basketball and their school and they allow us to uh, because ministry can be overwhelming at times well all of life can but um, they allow us to use their vacation home whenever we need a break and so so many of you in this room, God has blessed uh, financially. If you have the gift of making money, make it. <laughs> and be generous with it. There are certain people in the, in the kingdom of God that just have that gift. You see, a lot of us, a lot of money would ruin us. But certain ones of you, God has given that gift and, and taught you how to be wise for the benefit and blessing of others. If that is your gift, will you use it and let Jesus be seen in you? And then Paul says, uh, the one who leads with zeal. Leads uh, means literally standing before, standing before others. Leaders are people who just have the ability to get people to follow them. They set a vision and inspire people to get there with them. And we have so many people in our church who have this, this gift, so many leaders. And Paul calls leaders to lead with zeal. That means with diligence, not just to wing it, but to give their best. And if that's your gift, 
Will you use it and let Jesus be seen in you? Then Paul says, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. This is, is the gift of people who specifically are moved to work with the poor, the sick, the weak, the prisoner, the addicted, the elderly. Uh, do you know people who have this gift whose hearts are just always going out for people who are broken and hurting? We have so many in our church who have uh, either from within our church or started coming to our church after, but who have started ministries uh, even just really that, that reach out to the marginalized and the poor and the broken. Uh, in our church, I think about our pen and ink group, uh, uh, some ladies that started meeting together, there may be some men too, not sure, about 30 years ago, and they meet, I believe, on Mondays, and they write notes. We've talked about them before, but their gift is mercy. They write notes to people in the hospital, people who are sick, people who've lost loved ones, people who are praying for children who are far from the Lord. And these ladies all just have that gift of mercy and just speaking that into those that are hurting and broken. If this is your gift, will you use it cheerfully and let Jesus be seen in you? Now certainly we are all called to show mercy. We're all called to serve, we're all called to give. You could argue that all believers are called to lead. So Paul's not saying here, we, we don't get to say, you know what, my gift isn't serving, I don't have to serve anybody. Everybody just serve me all the time, or uh, I don't have to give, that's not my gift. That's not what Paul's saying. But what Paul is saying is that some people just have a special supernatural gift from God to be able to do these things really well. Now sometimes we also might be tempted to elevate some of these gifts over the others. Uh, you might think, oh, those who teach, or those who are in leadership positions, those who are up on the, in front of the classroom or on the stage, their gift is more important. Not true. That's why Paul gives the illustration of the body of Christ. All the parts are interdependent upon each other. No part is more important. In fact, in God's upside-down kingdom, it's often the least noticed, the one who takes the last place, the lowest place, who's considered the greatest. I believe the greatest in the kingdom are people whose names we've never heard of. So what is the point? I'll sum it up like this, what I believe Paul is saying to us today here in Romans 12. This is the takeaway. God's work takes all of us. God's work takes all of us. Every single believer, not just a couple of us, not just the pastors, not 50% of us, not 80% of us, not even 99% of us, God's work takes all of us. Say that with me. God's work takes all of us. Say it again. God's work takes all of us. One more time. God's work takes all of us. And Paul is saying that whatever gift God has graced you with, it doesn't really belong to you. It belongs to the body. It belongs to the church. So use it. And I've already asked the question several times this morning, but this is the application of the sermon or the, or the so what. Will you use the gift that God has given you and let Jesus be seen in you? Will you use your gift and let Jesus be seen in you? Will you be willing to say, use me, Lord. Use me however you want to in line with the gifts that you've given me. Use me for your glory. 
Well, several studies over the years in the American church in particular have shown that the majority of members, of church members, this isn't just the casual attender, but people who are committed members of churches, that the majority, about 55%, never serve and never use their gifts in the church. So why is that? Why, why is it that we so often don't wanna use our gifts? Well, a couple reasons. Uh, one is that we don't really know what our gifts are, and that's common. Uh, there's a lot of us that just have uh, trouble figuring that out. Some people love tests. Um, we have one you can take online. It's a spiritual gift test. You can find it on our website. Um, these are fine, but they have limitations. Um, God didn't put quizzes in our Bibles. So uh, there may be some other things to help you uh, get to that point where you know what your gift is. Here's a question to ask yourself. What am I passionate about? What am I passionate about? What am I drawn to? Uh, it might be helpful to think back on your life and your life experience of what you've been through to help determine what it is that you're most passionate about. Some of you have battled depression or cancer or experience the pain of a miscarriage or the loss of a child or a spouse. Maybe God wants to use you to be Jesus to others who are going through the same things. So what am I passionate about? Ask yourself that. Then ask, what am I good at? What, are my, uh, naturally, uh, what am I naturally gifted at uh, by God? What are your natural talents and abilities? If you have the gift of music, then maybe God wants you to use that in the church to teach others, to exhort others. If you're just really good at building things with your hands, like maybe God wants you to serve others, like we have the Seniors Helping Seniors Ministry here in our church. So ask yourself, what am I good at? And then ask yourself, uh, where do people affirm me? This is very important. Where do people tell you that they really see God using you? Ask your parent, ask a spouse, ask your child, ask uh, your friend. Where do you see God best use me? Where do you see God at work in my life? This would be a really good project around the lunch table today. So as you're having lunch with your small group or your family or your friends, maybe go around the table and ask the question, hey guys, where do you see God working in my life and using me? Where do you see, what do you see my gift as? Like uh, we talked about seven this morning. Morning. Do you guys see any of those? And I think what you're gonna see happen is it'll be something like this. One, one of your kids is gonna say, Dad, you have the gift of leadership. We all know that. You're a leader. And, and, we're, and they're gonna say, you need to be using that in the church. Maybe you already are, but maybe you can think of ways that you can use that in the church. And they might say, Mom, everybody knows right here, you have the gift of mercy. Every time we see somebody in need, if we're, if we're driving down the road and there's someone who needs help, you always wanna help them. Your heart always goes out to them. We might say uh, to one of our kids, you have the gift of serving. Every time uh, we're at the dinner table, you, you always take all the dishes away and put them up. Some of you are wishing that your kids would do that, but but just affirm one another and, and, and see how you see God working in each other's lives. Now, another reason people do not serve often in the church is that we feel unworthy. We feel unworthy. We feel like, well, because of things that I've done or things that I struggle with, there's no way that God would use me in the church, and so I'm not gonna serve. I'm just gonna sit in the back. I'm just gonna come in and hope nobody notices me because I have too much shame over the things that I've done. And of course, I always think about my own life and the struggles that I've had and praise God that he uses me anyway. But, uh, but because Holly's my wife, I, I, her story is the, 
the greatest story of God's grace that I know of. And so Holly was a single mom at the age of 19. I've shared this story uh, many times. And uh, she could have said, you know what, I, because of my brokenness and because of my sin, God's not gonna use me ever again. I'm not gonna use my gifts. But instead of running away from God by his grace, she ran back to the Father and she started serving. She got back involved in church and she started singing in her choir using her natural gift of music to encourage and to teach others the truths of God's word. And about a year later, as she was uh, in her choir, her worship pastor in a really large church there in Kentucky asked her to sing a song with the choir. And a song that still means so much to us to this day. And so Holly got up and she sang uh, these words. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. And so Holly refused to believe the lie that she wasn't worthy because here's the reality. We're all unworthy. There's none of us who are worthy. That's why we need Jesus. Only Jesus makes us worthy. So don't believe that there's anything that you could have ever done that would disqualify you from using your gifts in the body. A final reason that people might give uh, for not serving and using their gifts is that we're too young or we're too old. But we sing this song sometimes in church and the bridge part says, if I'm not dead, then you're not done, right? If I'm not dead, then you're not done. And so here's a picture last week of some of our students that were teaching other students. Bryson, our, our sports minister, was leading a basketball camp. And, and uh, we could have said, you know what? We can't have students teach these students. We gotta bring in some older people. We gotta have some people in their 30s or 40s or 50s to teach these kids. But, but no, uh, we got John O over here as a college student. His brother is still in high school, is teaching these kids on the right, using that gift of teaching. No one's telling these boys you're too young to serve Jesus and then a few weeks ago we went on a mission trip to South Texas and uh, we went down to South Texas uh, to serve and uh, many of you know Gene Brown who is one of our ushers who serves out in the foyer almost every week one of our greeters and Gene Brown is 92 years old He's 92 years old. You can tell he's sweating real bad here, but he's down, he's down in the 100 degree weather using his gift of building, of construction that he's had his whole life to serve others. He's not gonna believe the lie that you're too old, Gene. We don't need you anymore. You're not too old. And so let me just say, senior adults in the room, we need you. Our church needs you. The younger generations in our church, we need you. Many of you have been following the Lord for 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 years, and we need you to remind us that God is still good and that God is still worth following because sometimes we wanna give up. So we need you to use your gifts of encouragement, of leadership, of teaching, to remind us that Jesus is always worth following. If I'm not dead, you're not done. And if you still struggle to find your gift, then then just jump in and just start serving. God will show you your gifts. God will show you what your gifts are. You will not find them if you're just standing on the sidelines. So this morning, you can text the word serve to 96123. You can go to firstmckinney.com serve. And I'm praying, I've been praying this week that we'll be the church that says, use me, Lord. Use me, whatever gifts you've given me, I want them to be used in your church for your glory to build up the body for Jesus. Because God's work takes all of us. 
Now, before God reveals these spiritual gifts to you, you need to make sure that you've received the greatest gift. Because while it's true that the church needs you and you need the church, your greatest need is Jesus. And so if you've never received Jesus as your savior, you can do that right now. Romans 10, 13 says that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And so Holly and I and the girls, we made it down the river together. And uh, there were lots of laughs and smiles along the way. Why? Because we were together and we're better together. We all contributed, we all played our part, and at the end of our trip, we gave each other a paddle high five. You can see it right there. Because it feels good to accomplish something together. It feels good to complete a task that would have been really challenging on our own with people that we love. And God has called us in the church to finish this journey that we're on called the Christian life together. We need each other and God's work takes all of us and can you imagine the joy when we finish the race of life and when we can say you know what we played our part it was all God's grace every step of the way but he used us to make much of him he graced us with gifts and we use them for his glory and we'll be shouting and proclaiming together it was all about you Jesus you're worthy of it all you're worthy of it all and we will hear those words that we all long to hear as believers. Well done, good and faithful servant. Welcome home. You made it together. Whatever your gifts are, will you use them and let Jesus be seen in you? Let's pray together. God, we thank you so much for your word and how it speaks to us and what it does so often is convict us, and um, I know I'm convicted this morning because, as I already said at the beginning of the message, it's my natural uh, just bent to like to do things alone. But you created us to be together. You created us to go through life together. And so God, I pray you would just speak this morning. Speak and those that, that are not currently serving and not using their gifts, that you would just speak to their hearts and show us what that is. We need your help. We need your help in discerning how best to serve you uh, in the church. There's some this morning who you're speaking to who are doing really well in their business and they just need to be generous and just love and others and, and serve others through financial means. Others just yeah, have the heart of serving, but uh, maybe they just would say they're just too busy all the time to really serve and so maybe they need to let some things go in order to serve you. Uh, others are leaders and clearly have the gift of leadership, but for whatever reason, they're just kind of shirking that responsibility. We pray today that you would call them up to lead. And God, whatever it is you want us to do, may we live our lives with our hands open, our arms open, not our fists clenched, because we belong to you. We belong to each other. And so we say together, Lord, use me. Use me for your glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's all stand together. 
thank you for joining us today for Worship Online. If you're in our area, we wanna invite you to come to physically connect to your local church. We would love to help you to live and love like Jesus alongside of others who are doing the same. If you're from outside of our area, can I challenge you to find a local church in your area that's gonna preach the Bible and exalt Jesus. Smash the like button, subscribe, share with friends, and turn on notifications if you'd like to stay up to date with us. And thanks again for joining us.